Hey there, just wanted to drop in and let you know that we have rebranded our podcast. So if you hear the words The Out HR Podcast, that was our previous name, which now has been changed to The Workforce Podcast. Hi there, this is The Out HR Podcast, where we share best practices in HR, how we have been doing things different, answering your burning HR questions, and not forgetting some fun entertainment like HR Horror Stories. Today's episode is part two of the recorded webinar hosted by Michelle, who's in the digital marketing team at LHR. She's here to speak to the co-founder and CEO of Stashaway, Michele Ferrario, on the importance of innovating a business according to the given circumstances in the market. In this episode, Michele will share about how a business can evaluate whether it is time to shut down or to innovate themselves, something that is more suitable to the market during this pandemic. So stay tuned, and without further ado, let's get started. So while everyone puts your question into the comments box, we'll wait for 10 seconds for that to happen. I will start with a question from me first. As we know, majority of our customers and our participants at the webinar are business owners or they, they run businesses. Looking at all the events that happened in 2020, starting from COVID and then like the oil crisis, the general elections, and then the news about the vaccine, how can a business in Malaysia start thinking about 2021? Is there anything that they should particularly be aware of or they should take note of so that they can think ahead as what you mentioned? Look, it's very difficult to predict the future. So in general, <clears throat> especially these days, but it's always been difficult. So I guess my general advice is to run scenarios, right, rather than bet on one possible outcome. What are the scenarios? One scenario, you know, the optimistic one is that Actually, vaccines get delivered across the globe, including Malaysia, quite quickly. And we go back to life as usual in, you know, maybe six, nine months from now. I don't think it's going to be earlier than that anyway. So, you know, maybe six, nine months from now, things are going to go back to normal. And so you need to think about, okay, what, what are the implications for my business if things go back to normal? What can I do now to be ready six months from now if, in fact, things go back to normal? So that, I guess that's one scenario. Mm-hmm. Second scenario is, you know, uh, vaccine don't work. There are, you know, some scam. You know, a month from now, we read on the papers that people in the UK that have started taking vaccine actually died. Uh, it's possible, right? So, no, you know, I know they've tested the vaccine, but you know, uh, and so there is always a risk. And uh, what happens next? You know, the markets drop again. Capital markets will kind of completely fade away. Um, we may be locked again, working from home for some time, traveling will not be allowed, et cetera, et cetera. So if that's the scenario, what can you do now? And I think, you know, the, the one, the, my first point earlier, which is protect your balance sheet, it's probably the very first step I would do. So if you think that if that happens, you have a continuity issue, meaning that if times it goes wrong, six months from now or nine months from now, you may run out of cash then maybe now is actually, now that people think that vaccines are coming and things are going to go better, it's actually a good time to potentially you know, knock at the door of investors and try to make sure you have a solid balance sheet. So that, again, hopefully you don't need that cash because things go well, but in case they don't, you're prepared. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, there was one question that was submitted by one of our participants who can't join today. Oh, we can start with this question first. So from Michelle Philip, when speaking to customers via NPS surveys and through feedback, what did you learn about your customers that you didn't know before? Many, many things. And, uh, 
and uh, some of them are very detailed. You know, parts. Of, you know, we are a digital wealth management platform, and we and our clients use our app, mobile app, or desktop application to manage their money and to invest for their retirement plan, for instance. And uh, and so sometimes people uh, tell us uh, about. Uh, for instance, um, uh, some parts that are not clear in the app, you know, how we display returns. So we've changed some of the you know, details of the app over the last four years since we, since we launched by, you know, kind of reading some of these comments and realizing, oh, you're, they're right. Actually, this is not very clearly said. Let's actually change this or, or change maybe some of our communication structure. Or, you know, for instance, uh, we launched um, a year ago, actually a year ago in Singapore and uh, six months ago in Malaysia, we launched a product called Stashway Simple, which is a cash management product. So in practice, we are helping people not only invest for their retirement, but also park their cash. And currently, Stashway Simple in Malaysia gives 2.4% uh, returns on ringgit, which is obviously very, very high compared to anything you can get from banks. And it's simple. So it's no minimum, no maximum, et cetera, et cetera. How do we develop that product? By listening to clients. So, you know, we, you know, clients were saying, you know, it's great. I have your reti my retirement plan with you guys. You know, I've never seen si such high returns on my investments. I love the low fees, but I also have 200,000 ringgit doing nothing in my bank account where I get, you know, 0.2%. What can I do with that? Should I invest it? It's my safety net. And our, and our suggestion is if it's your safety net, you shouldn't invest it in, in a risky portfolio. Uh, and that's how we kind of start thinking, okay, maybe we need to also help people manage their cash because apparently the banks are doing a bad job at helping people with that too. Following up from that, there was a question about diversification. So the question is um, for everyday consumers like us, the advice has always been to diversify our investment portfolio to cover different asset classes and geographies um, so that we're not too, hit too badly when the economy goes down. But then how can a business look at diversification in the same perspective? The logic is the same, right? Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So, you know, you can think about products, you can think about channel. Uh, you know, internally in um, <clears throat> HR departments, people will talk about succession planning. It's the same logic. You know, if somebody leaves, how do you replace that person? It's also diversification. It Honestly, it's easier for larger businesses than it is for smaller businesses, meaning that if you are a small business with one product, one channel, one country, it's not easy to then diversify further, uh, but it's something that over time, um, may want to do. The reality is that you need to strike the right balance between diversifying, as uh, as for uh, kind of the question, and uh, kind of stretching yourself thin. So focus is important, right? And I would actually argue that focus is even more important than diversification in terms of business. You will not be able to do everything perfectly. You know, there are some things you do well and you need to focus there. So I think diversification in business should always be driven by a core competency. There is something you do particularly well, and that may give you the opportunity to do something else that is linked to that core competency. I wouldn't just kind of start doing random new things. And on the same note as well, we had some of a similar question um, on balance. So you were speaking to us just now about Goldmine, which is our employees, but for businesses, I think, it's usually a lot more on a conceptual level for a small business or a business owner of a small business. They always feel that how do I balance between engagement activities, giving my employees time off versus sustaining my business operations, considering that business isn't doing great now. So how can they look for that balance? 
And obviously, it's a tricky balance, and it's difficult to give a very general answer. It very really depends on business from business. But the reality is that, in my experience, when uh, people are more engaged, they feel part of the journey, they feel they are treated like adults, uh, they will end up actually doing more and uh, contributing more than if you tell them, look, you need to be here from 900 to 500. Uh, and uh, you cannot do that and you just so I think I think treating people like adults and giving them responsibilities end up churning good results over time and so my I lean toward giving people more freedom and uh, kind of uh, trusting that trusting my hiring process you know if you hire well uh, then you can hope that people that you hire actually will do the right things without you kind of a guiding guide them step by step so my personal angle is that in the trade-off between controlling very much because i need the business to, to kind of be managed a certain way and giving people a bit more freedom because i want them to to be happier and feel part of the journey i lean toward the second I think similarly here as well, I think what we realized during COVID-19 and working from home is that the employee's mental well-being is a lot more important. Um, and if you look after your employees well, in turn, your business will be able to sustain too. So I think hopefully business owners will be able to realize that it's a little bit more middle long term. I don't think you can see the results instantly, but it's something that will pay off eventually. Oh, absolutely. And look, I know the other way to think about it is that you know, for knowledge works, so let's forget for a second people that do a bit more manual work, but for knowledge workers, people that actually kind of uh, uh, kind of do the job I do, the job you do, Michelle, uh, so, we, you know, we don't move boxes, right? We, do, we, we, we need to create things. We need to think about stuff. So it's, there is a, a creative angle to it. And the reality is that it's not obvious that you're going to get more things done in... Uh, eight hours you know that you've been forced to sit in your chair rather than in six and a half hours if you spend one hour going for a run because maybe you know that one hour run actually gave you you know some sort of creative angle that actually helps you get stuff done faster obviously it's different if your job is very manual and you need to move box around partially similar meaning that still you can work at a certain speed and if you are kind of if you are more enthusiastic about your job, you're going to work at a probably higher speed, so you end up being more efficient. But obviously, maybe you lose a little bit of the creative angle uh, and that, uh, that that I was talking about earlier. But in general, I think we do live in an era where most of the most of the value is created by again being creative, doing new things, and getting things done more efficiently. And that and there's not a direct relationship one to one between how much time you put in. And what is the output? I think there is a bit more of a complex um, algorithm to understand, you know, how much is going to be the end result. And there is a lot of it that comes from people's individual um, motivation and um, and how they, you know, how, how much uh, kind of a mental freedom or you know uh, they actually put into into their work. I definitely agree with that. There are a lot more intrinsic reasons to why someone would contribute at work, and it's not always equal amounts of input will lead to equal amounts of output, especially for knowledge mm -hmm. as you mentioned. Great. The next question we have is from Daryl, and the question is: With the uncertainty in the current times, what are some of the frameworks or processes that has helped you with your decision making? So, I guess 
for example, launching Stash Away Simple, um, and then versus focusing on retention of existing customers? It's a good question and a tough one, I would say. Um, so I think what is the way I think about it is that it's very important you have some sort of North Star. So you know where you want to be three, four, five years ahead. Knowing that that may change over time, eh? but you know, given what you know today, you know where you want to be five years from now. And then you kind of, and you know what your mission is. You know what, what you want to stand up for. You know what your, you know, what, what you want your clients to, to, to think about the company. So for instance, in our case, our mission is to empower people to build wealth for the long term. And, uh, and so, you know, there is a long term component, there is an empowerment component. And, um, and so as we make decisions on should we do this or not, we think about is this coherent with our long term mission? And uh, another thing that we, uh, uh, another thing that, uh, sorry, this is, uh, this is happening. Sorry, I guess this is uh, yes, working it, from home. It's exactly, it's now it's now normal. I guess apologies. Yes. For that. So, uh, so this is one of my three kids. Uh, the eldest one. Uh, so what I was um, what I was saying is uh, you need to have a kind of a north star, uh, and then um, so where do you want to be, and also some sort of mission or. Uh, kind of a, some uh, some sort of uh, thinking about how to uh, kind of uh, how, you know what are the things that are coherent with your positioning and where you know the way your clients want to perceive it. Those are kind of frameworks you can call them or processes that help you think about kind of what are what makes sense for you, what doesn't. Huh? Great. I think there are no new questions in the comment section, but I just have one more that touches on what you've mentioned just now. It's a bit more on companies who are struggling right now and they've been struggling since the start of the MCO in, in Malaysia, for instance. How can they evaluate whether it is actually time for their business to shut down and they have to move on? <laughs> Good question. Um, at the end of the game, if you don't, you know, you need to do your analysis and think whether you have, uh, is there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Do you have enough? I go back to the balance sheet discussion. Do you have a strong enough balance sheet to reinvent the business in a way that you believe is going to be successful? And if the answer is no, and you can't raise cash from either banks or, or investors, then unfortunately you need to fold it, right? So I think, and obviously the, the earlier you have this foresight, the better it is because you're going to consume less, uh, kind of less external money. Um, but you know that, that's you know at the end of the game, this is the short the short thing is you know you need to look at your balance sheet and kind of be very honest with yourself. Is this balance sheet enough to let me go through this period, or is it possible to restructure in a way that is that it makes it possible or not? And with that, we conclude the last part of the navigating COVID nineteen from business digitalization to employee engagements webinar series. If you're interested to catch more of these type of content, do keep a lookout for our future episodes.